Welcome to the Central Florida Buzz with Mike Kara, the podcast for Central Floridians who want to be in the know on what's happening in Orange, Lake, Osceola, and Seminole counties. Sponsored by the Central Florida Home Brewers, the premier craft and homebrew club. Learn to brew beer, kombucha, mead, or make wine. Visit www.cfhb.org. Now, here's your host, Mike Kara. Well, welcome back to our next edition of the Central Florida Buzz with Mike Kara. I am your host, Mike Kara, as we are here at Castle Church Brewing in beautiful Orlando, Florida. And with me today is the president of the Central Florida Home Brewers, Lori Warwick. And Lori, it's a pleasure and honor you could join me today. Uh, I just want to say you've done a fantastic job of the last few years, and you've really, you know, brought, um, you know, something special to this club, as well as, you know, Paul as treasurer and the whole board, and uh, especially during this pandemic. And uh, we wanted to talk a little bit about uh, what uh, the the club is doing. Uh, Fortunately, the club is now, uh, actually, we're both here at Castle Church for our regular meeting, and we're also... uh, broadcasting uh, online via zoom for those who are not ready uh to you know make the trip out so tell us how has things been during this pandemic well mike uh thanks so much for having me today um it's been an interesting year for cfhb um starting last last year march 2020 was the last meeting that we had in person um and then of course everything kind of shut down so we uh, had no meetings whatsoever for April or May. And then I think in June, we started with the, the virtual meetings with Zoom, uh, Zoom only. Um, and we managed to continue with the club um, meetings, um, no in-person events really uh, th- through the rest of the year. Starting in January this year, we decided to do both in-person and virtual meetings simultaneously. Uh, and that's worked out very well. So uh, Castle Church Brewing Community has actually opened their space for us to have our in-person meetings. Uh, so far, it's worked out very well. This is our third meeting here. Um, and we've generally had about 15, 20 people at any given meeting and maybe a, f- a handful of people online. Uh, we do look forward to, as we come out of this pandemic, and the vaccines uh, really ramp up. We we are looking forward to more in-person events where we can meet in person. Um, we are planning on being at the Pints and Paws in Sanford, uh, March 27th. We will have a booth there. Um, and then we are still planning our Sunshine Challenge, which is usually one of the, used to be one of the largest uh, competitions in Central Florida. Uh, and we're planning on that for September uh early September Labor Day weekend. So we understand, Lori, that hopefully that if all goes well, that this Sunshine Challenge is going to be the the same Sunshine Challenge similar to the one you did in 2019 with pub crawls and the hotel and the food and all that. That that is the plan uh, right now. That's why we decided to do it in September this year instead of of June, which is when we've been doing it. Um, hopefully by September uh, we'll have reached that herd immunity that they talk about. Um, most everybody will be um, vaccinated, um, and we can do an in-person event with uh, a three-day event like we did before with the pub crawl and the hotel and the um, the banquet uh, awards ceremony, uh, best of show judging. Um, we are planning on doing the judging in um, 
late mid to late August. So they're at this point right now. We're still planning on virtual uh, virtual first round judging. Um, that may change over the next few months, depending on how things go with the vaccine and the rollout and the CDC and the state guidelines, obviously. So, Lori, how is the virtual judging actually work? I mean, is it on Zoom? I mean, each person is in a remote location and then the the two judges are there and then they they communicate via Zoom? That's correct. So it would be, um, in this instance, we would require four entries per per entry, four bottles per entry. So the first two bottles could be for the judging, the virtual judging. Uh, First round judging would be virtual. So we would have uh, separate flights set up for each of the judges. They could take home with them and they could communicate via Zoom uh, and they could judge together uh, virtually. And then hopefully second round and best of show we can do in person. Great. Uh, so, uh, you know, one of the things that we're talking about is a sunshine challenge. And uh, are you looking, you know, for volunteers or I mean, you're probably looking for members f- first then, uh, you know, to get involved. But I mean, you need a lot of, a lot of help with sunshine challenge or absolutely uh, sunshine challenge is a, is a lot of coordination, um, not only with the uh, where we're going to have it. Um, managing sponsorships uh, and getting those sponsors to, to to contribute to some of the prizes that we give out every year, um, but also the the sorting and the labeling and the judging um, of the the entries that come in. When you're talking four bottles per entry and we're doing 300 entries, that's 1,200 bottles of beer that need to be sorted and labeled um, and stored somewhere. So it it, it can get very uh, interesting to try and get that all done. The, the, the year before last, obviously, we had to cancel Sunshine last year, but the year before last, we managed to sort 1,500 bottles of beer in two days. Uh, great. So, Lori, you mentioned about pints and paws. So I'm assuming that uh, when the, the beer festivals are making their own decisions whether to have it, Sanford decided to. So, I mean, if others do, then you would consider pouring there, too? Uh, it would depend uh, on if we're able to. Generally, as a home brewer, uh, and we're nonprofit, right. we normally, under normal circumstances, we can't uh, pour in a in a space that's actually making a profit right. um, because of the the three tier laws, right. uh, the beer sale laws. Yeah. So, with uh, pints and paws, because it is a hundred percent charity event. And there's, it's a nonprofit organization. We are allowed to pour there. Um, in other circumstances, it depends on how they have the festival set up as to whether we or not we can pour or not. Okay. And Lori, now we want to talk a little bit about the Central Florida Home Brewers, and we everyone is welcome then to come come to the the meetings. Should they let you know ahead of time, or just come? Or they absolutely they can come. We meet the first Sunday of every month. Uh, occasionally we do move the meetings uh for example next month the first sunday of the month is easter so we have decided to move next month's meeting the april meeting to a week later uh, because most people are going to be with their families Um, but for the most part um, it's the first sunday of every month right now we're meeting at castle church uh, brewing community Uh, they've welcomed us with open arms uh sundays at uh 
we generally meet about 3, 3.30 for social hour, maybe beer school, and then uh, 4 o'clock, 4.15 is when the, the actual meeting starts. So you do plan on starting then beer school up again? Or? We do. Uh, Matt H- uh, Hunsworth, who is our VP of Loggers, he's got quite the curriculum already kind of outlined for beer school um, that we can kind of grow on. We started it last year, and, of course, everything had to be put on hold. So we do have a curriculum lined up already. Great, and we understand that you, so we're talking about your website, so right now you you have a new web, website? Or? We do. Matt Hunsworth, again, was very instrumental in this. Uh, he created a brand new website for CFHB. It's www.cfhb.org. Um, he's done a fantastic job with this website. You can apply online for your memberships. You can pay uh, via PayPal or just bring your money, bring your dues to um, to the first meeting. Um, it has the calendar of events of what's going on, the competitions, beer school, all of that. And if somebody is interested, that one thing I want to reiterate is that you welcome everyone from every levels, whether they're a beginner, whether they're just wanting to find out what brewing's like, or they're an advanced person, that you welcome everyone. Then. Absolutely. Uh, we The club's been around for 30-plus years. This is our 31st year, as a matter of fact. Uh, we started in 1989. We're one of the oldest clubs in Central Florida. We actually are the oldest club in Central Central Florida. Um, anybody that wants to come, we have a lot of new brewers. We have uh, older uh, older members that maybe don't brew anymore, but their feedback is instrumental uh, to learning, you know, techniques and and that sort of thing. Um, definitely, any level of brewing can come out and and learn how to brew beer. Okay, Lori. So the, the the I mean, people should first check your your website out, and that's got all the information, and that'll have that the, the April meeting is uh, one week later. Cor- correct. Yeah. The, the we also have a Facebook page um, for the group uh, for the me- for, not for members, but we have a Facebook fan page um, where you can find out the information for the next meeting. We also have a members page. Once you have become a member of the club, we have a private group where you can actually go and and keep up to date with uh, more of the uh, inside information. We do host events uh, for just club members and meetups and and that sort of thing. But the fan page itself will will give you the basic information on where we are. Okay, Lori, any final thoughts or anything else you'd like to mention here? I, the only thing I can think of is I'm, I'm looking forward to a better 2021. 2020 was kind of interesting. Um, we, we had kind of a good start to 2020, and everything kind of got put on hold. So 2021, we're picking up where we left off. Great. And one thing, Lori, then uh, that you welcome people from, you know, pretty much anywhere that, uh, you know, people are wondering that if there's certain zones, as long as they want to drive. I mean, if they live in Miami, Miami want to take a six hour drive, they're welcome. It's, it's Central Florida. Yeah, Central <laughs> so, Florida. So if you're in the Central Florida area, you can definitely come on out on the first Sunday of every month and and join the club and meet up with us and. Uh, as I mentioned, we do have events. Um, we're obviously doing Pints and Paws. I'm hoping, I, I don't know if we're going to get to do Brew in the Park again this year. That's another event that we used to do. Uh, we also have club parties, uh, Stouts and Stogies, and you know that sort of thing. 
we'll see if we can get those back online again this year, if not early next year. Okay, my guest has been Lori Warwick, president of the Central Florida Home Brewers, and uh, you're listening to uh, the Central Florida Buzz with Mike Kerr as we're here at Castle Church uh, Brewing for the Central Florida Home Brewers meeting, and please stay with us for our next segment of this edition of our program today. Well, welcome back to our next segment of this edition of the Central Florida Buzz with Mike Cara. As today we are here at uh, Castle Church Brewing as the Central Florida Home Brewers are having their membership meeting with me today is kind of the voice uh, of uh, the... um, what uh, the Central Florida Buzz actually does our nice uh, intro, and um, uh, we're we're here with Paul Warwick, who is the treasurer of yes. the Central Florida Home Brewers. And Paul, we want to talk about a few things, but we've been hearing about this ginger beer you've been making. Can you tell us about it? Well, thank you, Mike. I'd love to tell tell everybody about it. the weird thing about it is it's technically not a beer because it doesn't contain any hops. Oh, okay. It has ginger in it, it has water, and it has sugar. And then we just let that ferment, and that's all there is to it. It's great. It's um, We used champagne yeast, so it's in the fermenter right now, and we hope to be pouring that for Pints and Paws, which is in March, March 27th, in Sanford. So we want to do that. Um, it's, a, it's gluten-free because it doesn't have any hops in it, it's gluten-free. It doesn't have any wheat. It doesn't have any rye, any of the grains. Right. It's just pure ginger and sugar. Mm. And uh, hopefully it's delicious. We've added a little bit of, I think we added a little bit of um, terramin. And what will happen is it will reach a point where it will all be fermented out. All the sugar, the yeast will have eaten all the sugar. So what we'll have to do is eliminate some of the yeast with a with a product called polysorbate we'll add that to it to eliminate 99 percent of the yeast and then what we refer to as back sweeten it with stevia or some sort of sugar to make it sweet because it'll be very dry ginger beers have a tendency to be very dry and a lot of people will either like them very dry or they'll go wow that's incredibly dry it's almost puckery we don't want that to happen so yeah, I guess there wouldn't be a, a a beer, but yeah, that sounds like a, a great uh, recipe. So I mean, so right now, have you? Is it um, made, made then or brewed? It's, or? It, it is fermenting as we speak. Um, I kind of. It's interesting how you look at when you ferment anything. Um, this has not had what we refer to as a blow off, which means as a two. In, normally, when you brew beer. There's a little thing on top of the fermenter called an airlock, which has some liquid in it to allow the gas to escape, the carbon dioxide to escape. We don't have that. Sometimes when you first start a beer, it it starts fermenting very quickly and very vigorously. So you don't want that to blow off. So you have what's called a blow-off tube, which is a tube that is um, submerged in another glass of cleaning solution or sterilizing solution that the gas can go into because it'll it'll create an amazing amount of gas. We did not have that with this. It's it's fermenting now at probably I'm looking at maybe 5 every 5 seconds you'll see a bubble it'll it'll bubble up. Right. And you'll so that and so that way we know that it's fermenting 
at some point, maybe next weekend, when it's been fermenting approximately two weeks, we'll take what's called a gravity on it. So we'll know, is it from, the gravity will tell us, is it through, is all the yeast in that fermenter eating all the sugar that it can? Because you don't want all that sugar, you want that sugar eaten, but you don't want the yeast to die. Because right. the, the, when the yeast dies, then it creates off flavors. So we want it just as the yeast is like, no, nope, we're full, we're done. Then you rack it to a second container. Right. And then you'll back sweeten it with stevia or sugar or something that's sweet but not fermentable because there will still be some residual yeast yeast in the fermenter, but you don't want that yeast to be activated again. So you want to have to add something that's sweet but that's not consumable by the yeast. So, Paul, how strong would you say as far as alcohol is is, is this? This beer will probably be about 4%. I okay. think we started out our original gravity, which is the, the amount of sugar that was in the liquid before we added the yeast was about 1.043%. A little low for what we wanted, but still acceptable. We're looking to get that gravity down to about 1.012. That will make it about, if we did the math in our head, about 4%, which is just a nice, smooth, sessionable alcohol beverage. Oh, so I mean, is something like this gluten-free or... Yes, it's completely gluten-free because there's no grain involved. There's no yeast. I mean, there's no wheat. There's no rye. These things are gluten heavy, right. and we don't, we won't have. I can consume it. I'm gluten intolerant. Um, I have a brewed beer that I've added a um, gluten reducer called uh, Whirlflock. Actually, no, not Whirlflock, but um, gosh, I forgot the name of the gluten reducer. But what you can do is, when you add the yeast, you add this substance, and it reduces the gluten. In the wheat, so that it's acceptable. It's not gluten-free. There are very few beers that you... There are beers that you can brew that are gluten-free, but they're very difficult, and you have to use specific ingredients like sorghum, candy sugar. You have to use gluten-free yeast, even yeast, because it comes from um, a grain, has to be created in such a way that it doesn't contain gluten to be considered gluten-free. There's a thing with the government that says, oh, well, if it's below this level, which is 20 parts per million, you can call it gluten-reduced, but it's not technically gluten-free. Oh, okay. So we understand, Paul, that you're going to be serving this at Pites and Paws then in Sanford? Is that yes, right? on the 27th. We'll be serving that. Uh, one of our other members is coming in with a Perry. I know our VP of Lagers is bringing several beers. Um, I know one of our members, CJ Hearns, bringing a beer. So we'll have plenty of beer for this particular event uh, that's running from 1 to 6. And at 2-ounce pours... That's going to be quite a lot of beer wow. for us to, for us to, to uh, I don't think we'll run out of beer. Oh, so I mean, they want you to bring a certain amount of beer there or most, most, uh, most beer festivals, right. um, 
ask volunteers and clubs to bring a minimum of 15 gallons. Now, most of your um, kegs that you'll see that the people will know are about five gallons. So we have three of those right off the top. Boom. There's 15 gallons right there. Oh, wow. <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, on top of that, we have the CO2 tank that we have to refill. Um, I think we're going to have, I think, five or six taps running. And that's the most this, the Central Florida Homebrewers has ever had any competition, any festival. The interesting thing about this festival is it's completely, um, it's, a, it's a festival that's completely, Ta- not tax free, but but we're raising money right. for a, an event. It's we we have no problems pouring there. With some events, if there is an admission charge, that's not a donation. Uh, technically, brew clubs have to get a waiver on being able to pour there because our beer is technically being sold in those situations. So normally what will happen is because there's an entrance charge that's not a donation, we are outside the actual limits of the festival itself. We'll pour outside, but people will be identified. They will show their ID, and they'll say, well, this area you can go into, and there's free beer, but past us, here is where the festival originally begins. But Pints and Paws is a completely nonprofit event, so we're happy to pour there. We pour there every year. We missed last year. We're sorry about that. But um, they didn't, because of COVID-19. Yeah, did. Nobody did it. Nobody, <laughs> yeah. Nobody was there. So it was great. Um, I'll say one thing. The people that are pouring, trust me, folks, did not have beer left over from last year. <laughs> You know, it's all completely fresh beer. It's going to be fantastic. Great. So, Paul, you're you're saying that any uh, beer festival that's nonprofit that you you could do, but if it's for profit, then you can't do. That's correct. That's that's the way the the, the laws are written, because technically, if they if there's a beer uh, festival and they've charged admission and that admission price isn't being donated to someone else, um, then that's technically selling homebrew, and you can't sell homebrew. Uh, Hopefully, in the future, um, there is going to be changes in the legislature that that will allow for um, small breweries to sell their own as opposed to using the three-tier system that we... Whereas what happens is now, for a small brewery, they have to make the beer. Then they can either sell it in their own tap room or they need to sell it to a distributor. Now, that distributor can do anything they want with it. Sometimes they sell it back to the brewery to sell. Right. But, but there's that system in place. Hopefully, we can eliminate that and allow small breweries to sell their own beer. We also would like to allow homebrew to be consumed in public in, a, in an establishment that sells beer in a controlled environment, such as a competition, to judge a beer in a situation like we have here at Catholic Church Brewing Community, they technically cannot allow us to serve our, home, our own home brew 
But if we can get the legislature to change that, to amend it so that homebrew can be included, as long as it's not being distributed to uh, the public in the brewery, but to the members of the club that are judging that beer, then that would be a, that would be a wonderful thing. I know I completely changed the subject, <laughs> didn't I? Thank you very much. Oh, that's uh, that's okay, Paul. Well, Paul, we I want to thank you so much uh, for your your time. Any final thoughts or anything else you'd like to mention here? Well, no, I want to thank you, Mike, and the whole, and the Central Florida Buzz for being a part <laughs> of the brewing community and for allowing us at least once a month to explain what we do and hopefully to get new members. And if you do come out to the uh, the Pints and Paws, we are having a membership special. Right. It's a $20 a year, $20 a year membership will teach you how to brew beer and any other household member gets $5 off that membership. Okay, that sounds great. My guest has been Paul Warwick from the Central Florida Home Brewers, and you've been listening to the Central Florida Buzz with Mike Kara here at Castle Church for the Central Florida Home Brewers uh, meeting. And please stay with us for our next segment of this edition of our program today. Well, welcome back to our very last segment of the Central Florida Buzz with Mike Kara here at Castle Church uh, Brewing in beautiful Orlando, Florida. With me today is Matt Hunsworth uh, from the Central Florida Home Brewers. And Matt, it's a pleasure, honor you could join me today once again. And uh, we understand that you've been busy brewing, uh, that you've, for pints and paws, have several beers. Why don't you talk about that? Oh, man. Yeah, I have. It's uh, Pints and Paws is, there's a lot of history with me and pints and paws. First off, I love dogs. Those are our fur babies for my wife and I. So anything I can do to help support dogs, I'm 100% behind. I'm very excited to share my beer with people I don't know. I'm at the point in my brewing life where I'm ready to take their uh, uh, judgments, be it good or bad. And I'm happy to represent the club. So um, as far as what I got, if uh, that's what you're interested in knowing, I have I have an amber ale. I'm, I'm naming everything after our pets. I have an amber ale, which lends its name very easily to our current dog, whose name is Annie. She's a Doberman German Shepherd hybrid, so it's called Annie Amber Ale. I'm also having uh, a, a we'll have a blonde rye ale that's fermenting right now for my. Last dog and my brewing assistant, Pebbles. We call it Peb Ales, Blonde Rye Ale. And for fun, to get people interested in the hobby, to let them know what you can actually do at home as far as brewing and making alcoholic beverages, I have a hard cider ready that is called <laughs> the Idiot Twins, based after my wife's two cats, and are named after them, I should say. So I'm very, very excited about this event, and I, I cannot wait to not only visit, which we've done for like a good four or five years now, but to be a part of it. It's really special to me to be this involved in this event this year. And, you know, the one thing I know my mama people have even asked, they says, what's Pites and Paws? And I always say it's the, the beer festival with slightly more dogs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know how that is. Yeah. <laughs> yep, yep. It's for the dogs. That is for sure. Yep. <laughs> but, I mean, for you personally, we've seen you bring your dog to these beer festivals. Yeah. I mean, what uh, what is it that, uh, you know, that that attracts you to bring your, your dog? There's a certain environment or... 
Yeah, without uh, yeah, without getting into too deep into it, it's it's animals and domesticated animals. They have no voice of their own to ask for help. So anything that raises money on their behalf that we can do is very important to me because I'm very um, uh, I have the mindset of that every domesticated animal should have a home. So when I, whenever I can help, and you've seen me, you and I yeah. personally have run into each yeah, other yeah. at events with my dog. Any time there's any time there's a way to make uh, raise money and have beer involved, I am not going to miss it. It's yeah, it's I think it's it's a very important thing to speak for these domesticated animals. There's there's a uh, yeah, there's I'm actually very happy in a weird way to see that Orlando Animal Shelter is struggling keeping animals in uh, on site because of the pandemic. But on the other side, I would love to see an organization like that go out of business because that means the animals have good homes and and they're happy and they're they're cared for. It's it's an incredibly important thing to me. And uh, one thing we understand, Matt, that you've had some sort of, you know, dog beer that you make, which is water, (laughs) really. It's called dog beer. Its ingredients are exactly public spring water. So, but it's like I have a canning system. I have a lot of cans. Um, Cans are, are, are very economical to buy as many as you can afford because of the shipping size of them. So I have a lot of cans that I can certainly spare a couple flats, and I'm going to fill them with public spring water, seal them up, and give them out as dog beer to, again, well, one, keep the dogs cool, and two, help promote the club because someone walking around with a can with a dog on the label or another – I know as a dog owner, I'm going to say, what, what is that? And that will help get the word out about the club. So it's, it's a, a double-duty item as far as I'm concerned. And Matt, now as a dog owner, you know, I'm sure you've seen be- beer. I mean, what's your, you know, we know that beer is not good for dogs, but I mean, what's your opinion on like a non-fermented like wort or something, you know, just like the beer the soup sort of thing? I, I will say from experience, it's fine because I have spilled more unfermented wort well, maybe not more, as much as anybody else that brews. And my dog is the first one to lap it up, and nothing has ever happened for either dog. Hops are dangerous for dogs, like raw hops themselves. So I am very careful how I handle hops. But wort, even hopped wort, hopped wort is a different chemical beast than hops themselves. So, But as the unfermented wort itself... I have not had any problem, and I've had very happy dogs, so <laughs> I guess that says something. And, Matt, we've talked about this before, about, you know, approaching dogs, especially at beer festivals. I always say, can I pet your dog? You know, give them a yeah. little tap on the head and then move on. As a, as a dog owner, is that what you appreciate? I do. I absolutely do. I, I would like you to ask uh, if you're – because our dog, our dog's like, has its own personality. I mean, sometimes she's – happy-go-lucky and she wants to meet everybody other times she's a little shy she's got her tail tucked between her legs so i'd like someone to ask if it's okay to approach my dog before they approach it because i'm gauging her the whole time we're at an event so yes I, i i would consider that a polite thing to do and one thing uh, I was wondering, you know, does it people ever ask you to take pictures with your dog or that does well, happen? Okay. Huh? No one's ever asked with my dog pictures of my dog. Oh, your dog <laughs> yes, yes that has happened several times. Yes. <laughs> oh. So, I, I mean, for you, you said you had two dogs or we have one now. One, one passed okay, away. One, yes, yeah, yes. One. 
So, I, I mean, for like you mentioned about the cats, so I mean, the, the cats never go to, to beer festivals. No, no. Oh God, I don't they? think that would work. No, it would not work. I mean, I don't even know. That's that's another 20-minute segment. No, <laughs> that, would, that would not work. Let's just leave it at that. Oh, okay, uh, Matt. Well, we appreciate your time, and we hope that... Uh, so, I mean, do you have new ideas already for new beers? Or you- oh, yeah. Always, always, yes. Uh, like, um, competition season is back, so I mean, even for pints and paws, I'm doing an experiment. That blonde rye is a new one for me. Um, for our competition, I am going to stretch my limits and go into new styles I've never touched before. British Golden Ale being one, so yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, the best hobby on the face of the earth is brewing beer, and and I will continue to stretch my limits every chance I get. And one thing before we go, Matt, we wanted to mention that you are, I guess, the webmaster of the website, (laughs) and Laurie has been, uh, you know, really uh, celebrating that. And I mean, so is that another passion of yours, websites, or? Uh, I guess, sort of. It it falls into the career that I fell into. I'm a a, a data center engineer, so um, writing interfaces for the work that I do involves the protocols and the language for websites. So I just supplied it over to my hobby. So it's, it, it's a, it's a good match. It's a good match. Oh, great. And we also, before we want to uh, go is to mention that right now that you're the beer school guy. So yep. Laurie had mentioned that you're going to be uh, coming up with some new classes. So for people that are interested uh, in uh, home brewing, then you, so are your courses beginner courses? I'm going to, it's, it's all kinds of ranges. It's a, uh, um, yeah, beginner, intermediate, my advanced might not be someone else's advanced, but yeah, we're going to run the whole can, but we're going to, we're going to talk about, um, making, uh, uh we're going to do findings, which is making your beer as clear as possible. And we're also going to talk about all in one systems for new beginners and everything in between. So yeah, that's all to come this year. Okay, man. Any final thoughts or anything else you'd like to mention? Nope, that's it. I'm just really happy to be sitting across from table from you. It's been a long time. So I'm glad we got to sit here and do this. Okay, my guest is Matt Hunsworth from the Central Florida Home Brewers, and you've been listening to the uh, Central Florida Buzz with Mike Cara and uh, here at uh, Castle Church uh, Brewing in Orlando, Florida. And uh, please catch us again next time. You've been listening to the Central Florida Buzz with Mike Kara, the podcast for Central Floridians who want to be in the know what's happening in Orange Lake, Osceola, and Seminole counties. Sponsored by the Central Florida Home Brewers, the premier craft and home brew club. Learn to brew beer, kombucha, mead, and make wine by visiting www.cfhb.org. Thanks for being with us. We'll see you back here next week. <laughs>